Prince of Persia comes back. And we get Tokyo Game Show. If you are watching, first of all, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mistor. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 178. Yes. So if you're watching this on Half Chance and something looks slightly different and odd to you, I had to use our tripod from the studio for a completely different project this weekend. And when setting everything back up today, I was like, yeah, that looks about right. And now that we're here, it's ever so slightly not the same. It's It's, not bad. It's kind of like I keep looking. My eyes would avert to the camera perfectly. And now I'm like looking above it. (laughs) Yeah. So don't think like I'm just not looking at you. I just it's going to be habit. We're peering at your soul. So. If this is a, if you're new to the show, stick around till the end so you can find out where you can you know interact with us on social media, where you can support the show with more than just your time, which we are always so grateful for, and all that. But starting off the show the way that we always like to do, and I think this one might be the time where it's either a flip or both of us have the same answer for once, and that is a very simple. What have you played? Uh, Mortal Shell. Still kind of playing through that. Where are you at? Because I know you said you were going to play a little bit more. Because you, you can be vaguely specific, and I'll know most of what you have. About halfway for what it feels like through Temple of Ash. Okay, so you've not made it to the boss for the area yet? No. I got past the guy I was having problems with, though. The fire cauldron guy. Okay, yes. Did you get to the point where you have to fight the guy who's blocking the doorway? He's like stands that's, under- that's, that's my point. That's where I'm at. Okay, the guy who has the ring of candles around him? Yeah, now, I also went and unlocked a new shell. I went and got Tail Shell, or yeah, Teal Shell. Um, I, I, I actually, back, I don't know how you pronounce it. but I, <laughs> I went back and killed that Vin vampire thing and got his shell. And you were really close to just going to the catacombs at that point. I, I went there. I went I went to the entrance of it. Because, actually, I was trying to find, um, who's Thick Boy? Oh, Eridrim. I was trying to find his location, and that was actually where I caught it quits for the night on Thursday is there because like I ran in a complete circle around the map and then I remembered, Oh yeah, I was supposed to go down this way. <laughs> and so I just, I called it quits. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that really enjoying it. I've been taking my time kind of with it though. I played a little bit of age of empires like normal. Oh yeah. And that's kind of realistically it. Like I, well, no, it's not. I played rust. I downloaded Rust. Okay, I remember you talking about Tried that out. Rust. That game's interesting. I I had a guy walk up to me with a gun, and normally the, the key for your mic is V, for like voice chat, I guess. Uh, I've remapped it to my, my one of my buttons on my mouse, so like I can look around and aim. And a guy walk up to me, and he's aiming his gun at me, so I clicked on my mouse, and I was like, I'm friendly. Are you friendly? Like, nine times out of ten, they're not friendly. He said, hey, mate, you got some potatoes? And I said... Yeah, and then he shot me in the head and took my fucking potatoes. <laughs> so that game's pretty fun. Uh, see, uh, that was one of the downsides of the Forest on computer or on PC, uh, PS4 rather than PC was that on PC it's got like essentially you can have as many people join your server as you want or your world, which is cool. And on PS4 you are of course limited to four. Yeah, I joined a Rust server with like 130 people online, and mm-hmm. that game is very much survival based. PVP focused. Well, I was going to get with you and see when we wanted to do it, but I want to do sometime really soon too, like maybe within the next two weeks, if not maybe next week, 
I want to have an episode where we don't really focus on news too much unless something just bonkers crazy happens. And instead, we just offer up a, an episode where it's going to be very community-driven, and we're just going to have an episode that's essentially the community's take plus our own takes on uh, things that across the whole generation that we think were missteps, things that we thought that we let's, would have expected. Let, let's do that around November. I'm cool with whenever, Cause, but cause I want to do a lot of missteps that can soon. happen. Like the so, next consoles could be a misstep. That's <laughs> you true. Know. It's more about reflecting on this generation because. I think one of the interesting things and part of the reason I even wanted to do it is like PS3 is one of those perfect console uh, just like where it's they started off so bad just to really surprisingly come back. And so it goes so that missteps can happen early on and then be fixed for the most part. No but Man's still Sky. Have stuff. Then you can have situations where you you don't have any major missteps, which I don't think Sony's had any. Well, again, when I say major, I mean that affect them hugely. There's still missteps that I think are major to certain people like censorship, censorship and stuff. But That'd be a fun thing that I want to eventually talk about. So yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, but uh, that is kind of the, the reason that sprung to mind is that idea of like I honestly thought you know when you looked at the online thing from the PlayStation Three era and having games like Mag and stuff that supported two hundred fifty six players on one map, which you could argue is too many, but the point being is that you wouldn't have thought that you'd see online games of ultimately not as big of an increase in scale as I thought. Like, you know, yeah. getting to 100 people in a in a game that's like a um, Fortnite or something like that isn't really that all that impressive. When we had, you know, 60 people on Resistance 3, or Resistance 2's online, and Mag had 256 people, it's just, I, it kind of has surprised me that online lobby sizes have stayed so small. So that'll be something that'd be cooler to dig more into because I have a lot of thoughts in regards to that on consoles. Yeah, and you really only see it with Battle Royales, which, speaking of which, I'd be interested if we did like a community night one night this week or next where we can all hop on and play PUBG because it's free. Yeah, because I've never played it still. And it's free, so we could probably find two other people in Discord or on Twitter who want to play and we'll just all chill one night and play that for an hour or two. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun thing. I meant to do that with, um, which, you know, coming next week, I'll have a lot more time on my hands. <laughs> I mean, I, I still have a, lo- a little stuff going on, but these l- past two weeks have been me like hyper trying to figure out all the stuff for the music release. Mm-hmm. So like even throughout this week, I got to finish building the website and a bunch of other stuff. So fun times, but yeah, I want to do that and I want to do it with fall guys. Cause I still haven't even gotten to play fall guys yet. I actually, okay. So I played fall guys last night with two buddies that came down. It's- I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. I don't see what the hype is about that game. It's one of those that it feels. It's actually really cool because like people say it's battle royale, and I guess it kind of is. But it feels like it's just a a, a course of Mario Party games. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing, and I'm not no, saying you think it is it, either. It's not a bad thing, yeah. but it's just a very repetitive game. The only thing I thought was kind of an interesting thing here is I can. I think part of what got the hype going for it right is that PlayStation probably smart to come back behind them and be like, "Hey, we want to be involved with this game and have it be, you know, console wise. It's only on PlayStation." Yeah. And the reason that it kind of makes sense is that what's the one area that PlayStation just legitimately has woefully not done anything this generation? Mostly party games, and the only party games they've really done have been tied to weird gimmicks that I think made them feel a little I think they may have done all right but like the only party games I can remember from this generation from Sony were all involved with the PlayLink initiative. 
So there yeah. was like that that's you game, and a lot of them are about having multiple people do it with input from their phone, which is all right and fine, but your phone is a, a very indirect form of c- control in a game. So there are people who are not too familiar with gaming who still like things like Smash Brothers, which I think is a weird... F- it, it is a game that is a party game, but it also happens to have a really technical side that if you want to look for it, you can find complexity in really simple systems. So... But outside of like Mario Party and all these different things that are going on, PlayStation hasn't really had that. Yeah, they haven't. And honestly, like this is not a bad game. It's just not for me. Yeah. Um, is it a bunch of different mini games essentially? Yes. Okay. It's essentially like it's it's all of them kind of revolve around racing to the finish line. But then there's a couple of them that's like team based. I don't like those because it's like you and like typically like I think like eight to ten other guys on your team. And there's one like where you have these eggs. They spawn in the middle, but then you have to go in the middle, grab them, and take them back to your basket. But other people on other different teams can come to your basket and take them and take it to theirs, and that's how that game kind of works. And it was really fun the first time. The second time was just frustrating because all my teammates were just running around and not doing anything. And it's I'm based like, off your team. Yeah. yeah team, team-based things on those are always surprising. And the problem is, is from one thing I've heard someone complain about, is that you can't – is it local co-op? I, I, it, I don't think so. I thought it wasn't right. Okay, no, yeah, we it, just took turns playing. Yeah, and that's kind of a shame, right? Because you're giving a team. You're what you're saying is, hey, it has to be team based, but you can't always make sure it's people that you know or people in your, in your vicinity. That seemed like a weird game to not include local co-op. Yeah, and it might be, but I, don't, I, I don't, I never saw an option for it. I think I saw someone else complain that it wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah. what have you played this week? I got the platinum in Mortal Shell. Like I thought you got that last the week before. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I got it Monday, but I got it so close to when we recorded. I guess so, yeah. Um, it just felt like because well, ago. here's the thing: like last week that we recorded, I'm pretty sure was where I said I'd run up and had um, melted through the first boss, and then I was at the enslaved Grisha for the second boss, and that's where I stopped. And then literally when I got on later that night, I melted through the enslaved Grisha, melted through the that's next right. boss in one try, got to Crucix, who's the last boss in the Seat of Infinity. And he did give me a little bit of trouble, but I got him after like probably 20 tries or so, maybe not that many. Um, and then I got to the unchained and that one took me, it, you know, what made me so mad about that is I have the footage and I don't really understand what happened and it still bothers me. But on my third try of facing the final boss of the game, I had it down to literally one hit. And then something happened that I cannot tell from the footage of the game. And I got hit by something i don't know exactly what it was and it killed me and i was so furious because it's like it it made me so mad that every time i try and play afterwards it's just like my anger was getting the better of me so it took me it took me forever to get back to a point of where i was just calm and anytime that something happened i would just not react and just keep playing and keep playing and i finally got it but it it made me so mad hell of a platinum though you know what i mean yeah what's the what's the percent for that one when i got it it was one percent Okay. It was 0.9, and then I got it, and it became 1%. <laughs> um, I want to say I looked into it just because I was curious. I think I'm like the 156th person to platinum the game, which is just an interesting stat. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really did. I love that game. But the kicker here is I did not play anything else at all the rest of the week. So I got my platinum on Monday and did I can't blame else. you, honestly. Like, that's how, like, I, I played two or three games at Age of Empires early this week. And then I decided that I'm going to play, get into Mortal Shell again. So I got into Mortal Shell. I say Mortal Shell again, but play Mortal Shell again. So Mm -hmm. I got into that. And then by Friday comes, I typically don't play video games on Fridays anymore. Unless like I'm playing with friends. Yeah, sure. Um, 
And then yesterday I didn't really play anything other than like a round or two of Rust. And there's that potato guy. There was also a guy <laughs> like um, I was sitting there and like the way Rust works is you spawn, you're, you're butt naked on a beach. Yeah, you have yeah. a torch and a rock. And then you got to go get stone. You got to go get wood. You got to go find hemp for clothing and stuff like that. You got to go get your materials and build a base. And then eventually you'll get to an end game where it's, you actually have a, some weapons and then you go raid other people's bases and take all their loot and stuff. What's interesting about this game is that it's, it's server-based. You could go to sleep and log off your game and somebody can raid your base while you're not online. Oh, yeah. So, like, you have to, it, it's one of those, like, you may log in and all, everything you've ever worked for is gone. So, I like, one of the things I've, I liked about The Forest, right, in terms of it being a survival game, yeah. is that I really appreciated that even though it had kind of a crazy story going on around it, I liked that there was, like, thought put into exactly the setup of how you ended up in the situation you were. There's nothing like that in Rust. Okay. To my knowledge. Now, that's what I was kind of curious if you've seen it yet, because one of our other friends, Jonathan, I think, if I'm, I could be misremembering the conversation. Jonathan but Moore? Yeah, I'm fairly positive he told me that once you actually start getting into Rust, there is an explanation of why. I don't know what it is. See, I, I, the only thing I've heard is like, this is like, you take, it's a game. Like, you take place, like, you're put there for a reason for somebody else's viewing pleasure. I don't know if that's true. I don't know Maybe if I've heard that. Because then it's kind of like, the Hunger Games slash Battle Royale, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you right now, it's terrifying to... Uh, and by Battle Royale, I do mean the wh- 2000s. Well... Uh, it's a Japanese movie that came out in 2000. 1980? No. The original Battle Royale? Yeah, came out in 2000. I don't I don't think so. Yeah, we, we just recently watched it for the podcast. I think... I, or maybe it was is very it based good. off a book? It's based off of a manga. No, it can't be, right? It's not player unknown. It's just called Battle Royale. And it's a movie. And I was really surprised because it seems so gamified that it, it's I the fact that we didn't really get a Battle Royale game as they became known until like 2015 or 2016 whatever it was really kind of surprised me cuz it is so gamified of an idea and even the movie takes it as though the approach of it kind of it's it's weird. I really say I watch it. I surprisingly love the movie. And if you want to hear our thoughts on it, I think it's next week's episode for patrons, uh, or this Friday's episode for patrons, and then next week for everyone else. So it was ninety nine was when the manga came out, and then two thousand when the movie came out. Oh yeah. no, I got seventies from, but Me I know either. it's I know it's really old. Yeah, it was really good. I say really but old. I also knew it wasn't seventies because almost of thirty the, years old at this point, twenty years old. Yeah, for sure. But the. Um, I, I, the movie was fantastic. I really was super surprised. I love the idea of it and kind of made me want to play a battle Royale, which is interesting because no battle Royale has actually made me want to do well, that. Good thing. PUBG is free this week. We will definitely see. Cause there's some stuff that I know that PUBG would have gotten from that. Like, you know, they have like a little, you know, weird items like pot lids and stuff in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool idea. Um, but communities take time. Yeah. Let's go ahead and hop into the community's take. Um, that question was pretty simple. We were talking last week about how Sony have mentioned in their, uh, you know, I can't remember what they called it right now, but Sony had mentioned that they wanted to kind of double down on expanding their first party studio uh, and their first party stable by investing in and acquiring studios that have great talent. And that kind of spurred the question, like, you know, no matter how crazy of of an answer it is, what is your dream Sony acquisition? I mean, literally, no matter how crazy it is. And I like that some people actually gave real answer 
never going to happen answer. Like, yeah. They broke it into what they th- would like to see that they believe there's a chance for. So first thing up is Mr. S. Hussein Saeed over on uh, Twitter. Thank you, sir. He says, well, there are so many to name a couple just to get the IP. Konami, only for the Metal Gear Solid series, and also Castlevania and Suikoden. They own the IP. Second is Capcom for the Dino Crisis uh, IP to be revived and to also let this deep down game that we were promised a decade ago finally come around. Third, to maybe acquire Sacknoth. They are, and I actually don't know how you say that, so, but I do know who he's talking about. They are the guys who gave us the Shadow Heart series back on PS2. I don't think that they ever expanded that series onto PS3. He says, I don't know if they own the IP or not, though. By the way, would acquiring Midway be a crazy thought, too? The Midway one, maybe. And the reason I say that is I really... the thing, like PlayStation has been around for quite a while. Now, clearly, Nintendo has a jump on them, and Nintendo does have more iconic series. I think part of that is just due to the way that Nintendo has chosen to continue their business. Sony sees more interest in continuously coming out with new IP, and Nintendo has continuously seen more value in continuing to stretch and manipulate your existing IP in a new way. So I don't know that Sony would really gain much from Midway other than a lot of classic IP, but I don't know if, if anybody necessarily cares that much about that with Sony. And I, I should say this. I don't mean that people don't want some Sony franchises that have been dead for a long time to come back. And I'm not saying that they won't come back, but clearly Sony is far more interested in making new IP alongside expanding existing IP than Nintendo is, who I think Nintendo, you kind of just know out of the gate. If you get a new Nintendo system, there's going to be a new Mario. There's probably going to be a new 2D Mario and a new 3D Mario. Uh There's going to be some new form of Smash Brothers. There's likely going to be a new Zelda that's either, and again, most consoles, you're going to get a 2D Pokemon. Zelda and a 3D Zelda. Yeah. You're going to get some kind of a Pokemon game. So I think when you look at it that way, that's the only thing I see Midway offering. And what IP does Midway have that's really that iconic that is going to give What's Sony... What's a jet ski game? The, a jet ski game? Yeah, that they own. I, don't, I didn't think they had a, a jet ski game. Now, Midway were the people who were behind Hydro Thunder. What is that? The boat, it was like a super powered ro- That's boat what I'm thinking of. Racing. Yeah. 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 Close enough that a jet ski. <laughs> yeah, Hydro Thunder, but that was a, they had it, I think it was Midway. Because, yeah, it's Midway. Hydro Thunder. That was a great game. I it played was. the hell out of that on Dreamcast. That game Woo! was great. That was cool, too, because you know, you'd go, in, you used to go into the arcades and you'd see them and you'd be like, I could play that at home now. <laughs> our, uh, our Walmart had one back when they had the game room thing. They did. And that's where me and Seth played it a majority of times. But, I mean, do you see anything beneficial, really, from Midway that's just like, okay, what I should say is the, uh, the purchase would only make sense if you're going to get IP that are as legendary, in my opinion, as something like Mario and Zelda and Kirby. What does Midway True. have? Pac Man? That's, that's that. Pac Man? That's Namco. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know that. I don't think they have anything. I don't know. I guess I'll say this. Since you thought it would be potentially something worth it, what from Midway do you want to see them end up with? And maybe there's something I'm legitimately just skipping. But, hey, I'm all for that dino crisis coming back around. going to bounce over to Discord for a little bit. And in the Discord, we have a pretty good one, I think. Uh we have Josh Ayer saying from software, they do big AAA games like Souls games, and they have some VR experience after Daracene, which is a good point. If you're going to buy a studio, 
why not buy a studio that's got multiple talents? And I think Insomniac made a lot of sense because Insomniac had VR branches, big AAA branches, and then some kind of experience with indie games. Mortal Kombat. Um, NetherRealm, and that's already owned by I thought, Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. All, all the classic Mortal Kombat's are midway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, but that series is owned. Yeah. So Dang. it kind of creates this interesting thing. Gauntlet. Of, Gauntlet, maybe. But I don't know. Gauntlet would have to have a lot of work done. Yeah. Because the last Gauntlet game we got was just kind of eh. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, 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 the what, like Gauntlet Rebirth game or whatever came out. It was free on PS Plus one time. Yeah, it's Gauntlet. It wasn't great. I can't remember what it's called. It was. I, I like that they were trying to bring it back in like more of a Diablo thing. But like really the last time that I can remember a Gauntlet games as being really great was back on PS2, Gauntlet The Seven Sorrows. Never played it. Yeah, it was a cool game. And honestly, there's so much nostalgia tied into that that the game actually may have sucked, but my brain remembers it well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do like From Software. I mean, I feel like you'd be keen of that. Yeah, that's, um, that's my answer, as a matter of fact. Even Atlas Unchained says it. A lot of people actually say that. Uh, Atlas Unchained says it would be awesome. And then over on Twitter, so does El Jahudi. That's a that's a good catch because I think, honestly, when people think From Software, they think Demon Souls and Bloodborne, which are exclusives. And then so people automatically correlate, like, well, it would make sense if Dark Souls series was exclusive. Yeah, for sure. I don't think it'll ever happen, but we'll see. we got to fix Mr. Atlas Unchained's name over here on Discord. For some yeah, reason, still, he, is not, um, he is not colored for his Patreon thing. So thanks, man. I, I know that you're a patron, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know we'll, we'll fix that up. Um, I'll fix that right now. Yeah, so I like this one. This one's also from Discord, one of our patrons, Mr. Rude Cold. Uh, he says, my answer is my response above, which he had given before I actually put out the thing. And, and that was Supergiant Games. Uh, he said you know, he'd be happy for them to snap up indie studios like Supergiant. They have always had high-quality, unique games and gorgeous visuals and music. And I think that that would be kind of fitting. They have a good relationship with each other, clearly. Um, it's been weird that we I don't feel like we've seen Sony really acquire much in the way of indie talent. I would have if you would have asked me ten years ago if Sony would would be likely to buy that game company, I would have said yes. And clearly I would have been wrong because either Sony wasn't interested and didn't offer it, or the studio didn't want to work with Sony anymore, which is both are extremely likely, but I think the more likely thing when looking at it is that Sony sees more value in obtaining big AAA studios to legitimately acquire, but they have more interest in just essentially investing and doing multi-game partnerships with smaller studios, which still net you a lot of exclusives or timed exclusives, but there's less of a financial burden to take them on in case they end up not being a known quantity. Yeah. Now, here's my only thing about acquiring studios, right? Sometimes I feel like there's opportunities for them to acquire studios who have already proven themselves with great work. And then sometimes I feel like they don't do that in an effort to instead build a brand new studio with a bunch of disparate people from other studios. And I'm not going to say that can't work, but why would you be, why would you want to spend what I imagine? Maybe it wouldn't be more money, but it seems like it would be either the same or even more money to start a studio from the ground up 
and have to give them a new studio place of work. You have to make sure they have computers and everything to work with. You have to give them all that. Everything. Break, then, break then, room stuff. Yeah. Then you have to think about the fact that this is a studio that will have no IP attached to them yet. So name recognition is out the window. The only thing that you hope is that because they're the new Sony or Microsoft studio, like we're seeing with Sony's secret San Diego studio and then Microsoft studio that they're building, uh, the initiative, I think was what yeah. it was called. So you have both people who very likely could have bought studios instead building one, which is not the worst thing, but I, definitely since Microsoft bought a ton of studios right before they did that. Yeah. Sony, I feel like, have missed out on some opportunities here and there, but then they came back and got Insomniac, which I think was a opportunity for them just along for years and years and years. But I do find that weird because starting a new studio just seems like such a bigger challenge, but I guess maybe you have the ability to bring people in with – Hey, you have no idea about what you've worked on before. You don't have an identity. You don't have to be a slave to who your developer was and what y'all worked on, which I don't think Sony's bad about anyway, clearly. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten a game like Horizon from a studio like Gorilla. And we true. wouldn't have gotten a game like Ghost of Tsushima from a from studio Sucker like Punch. Sucker Punch. Yeah. But it is interesting. And I feel like maybe that's the only benefit is saying, hey, you're not a slave to any idea of who you're supposed to be. So you just make whatever game it is that you think y'all need to make. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, let's read some more off over here. I'm going to get some from Facebook over here uh, because Saul can't get on that one. So I sure can. Saul can read the other ones. Uh, Blake Popes gave his funny one, but also I have a feeling he may even need it. He may even mean it. Nintendo. That kind of goes in line with, um, and I just exited out of Discord. Dang it. Uh, or was it on Twitter? Somebody said Sega. Sega is actually... Let me let me get totally it. possible. You know what I mean? But uh, here's the thing. If, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Atlas owned by Sega? Atlas did say uh, uh, Atlas Unchained said Sega. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting that that just happened. Yeah. So Atlas Games, if I'm not mistaken, I know that they run their stuff like, of course, Persona 5 goes through Sega. But are they owned? Yeah, they're a subsidiary of Sega. I thought so. That'd be really interesting because someone over on Facebook, and let's see, I think it was, yeah, it's Donovan. Uh, he says Atlas. And I guess that really, you know, I think another person actually said that. And if I'm, it's Chris. He said Persona Team, Respawn, and NetherRealm. So NetherRealm Studio, interesting enough, we're coming back to that Mortal Kombat you were talking about. But his breakdown for those three are Persona Team, uh, if you buy them out, you keep Persona to yourself. Because right now it is a PlayStation exclusive franchise for main entries with the 3DS getting like the Persona Q spinoff well, games. What's weird is like in the same Atlas vein, you got Shin Megami Tensei, mm -hmm. which is a mainly a, a, like a Nintendo thing. And I think Persona, I could be wrong on this, but I think Persona was originally intended or originally considered a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei. They're in the same universe, I think. Yeah. Uh, but he says, Persona, keep Persona to yourself, get the best shooter team in the industry with Respawn, and they need a fighting game team bad. Now here's my only hot take there. I don't think any. I don't think any first or I should say manufacturer needs a fighting game studio. Yeah, that's my. No, I, I should say this. I don't think they need it badly. That's my thing. Yeah, I don't think they don't need it. They need it badly either. But the main reason I say that is because the fighting games that I, excuse me, even care to play, are given plenty of budget and make plenty of money and tend to be fairly solid games. I think that. All of the NetherRealm games, funny enough that you're mentioning them, I think NetherRealm, what would they really benefit going away from AT&T at this point since AT&T owned Warner? I think that they get plenty of budget. It's valuable for them. So 
And actually, the news uh, a news piece later is going to kind of tap into that being a thing where even AT and T views all that stuff as very valuable. But I'm with you on Respawn. I do think that they are a fantastic team. I don't know if I'd consider them the best, but I know that you're a big fan of Apex, so that makes sense. Uh, Persona would be interesting though, because what's the one thing that I think PlayStation's really lacked this gen? JRPGs, from an exclusive standpoint. Oh, okay. I was like, what? And not that you have to have exclusive JRPGs, and maybe that's why they don't worry about it. But I kind of like you know I think one of the biggest studios that has so many sub- like subsidiary teams within them is Sony Japan, and very seldom do we get games from Sony Japan. Like they end up being a support studio a lot. They do end up doing some games that are a smaller scale, which is cool. But it's like we haven't seen anything just humongous from them. If anything, we've seen more Sony Japan games get remade <laughs> this generation. Uh, and then, again, assist in development again with something like um, Gen Design getting Japan Studio to help them finish up The Last Guardian. But... Let's see, Ali, uh, and I, let's see, Frictional Games. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ali Diane Cobble says, Frictional Games, I need more cerebral horror, horror in my life. And if I'm not mistaken, aren't those the people behind, yeah, Soma. That's what I thought. Uh, because before Soma, it was, you remember the name of that I'm series of game? Penumbra was like a uh, Amnesia. Yeah, and a Penumbra was another series for them, but Amnesia was Amnesia is really thinking. good too. Um, yeah, I think the collection was out on PS Plus not too long ago, wasn't it, or was it just on sale for a really good price? I think it was on sale, but I, I picked want up the to collection. say Soma was on PS Plus. Soma was really good. I played that on Games Pass. I think. Yeah, I didn't get to finish it, but it's really short. <clears throat> they are very. I mean, people love them. So yeah, again, thinking of small studios, that's a very fitting one. Man, I was so excited for Soma. Way back when. I remember watching the trailer for that when I still lived at the Lynx. 2015? Was when it came out. Yeah, that's, that's so the, yeah. It was five years ago. Man. Yeah, I remember the trailer, though, because that was the one that had, like, the, the blinking lights on the spaceship. Red lights, yeah. 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 And then you saw what was what everybody theorized to be, like, a Big Daddy kind of thing in the distance. And then, like, there was, there was a lot of rumors on about that, or not rumors, but there was a lot of hope that that was a Bioshock game. Oh, Soma was going to end up being Bioshock in space. Think, think Wait a minute. Why is Bioshock in space not happened? I know, right? <laughs> uh, think about what it kind of came after, though. It wasn't super far after Metal Gear Solid Five being disguised as another game, too. That's true. But then again, Bioshock's not known for taking people on ruse cruises. You know what I mean? The hell do you mean? The first Bioshock is a ruse cruise, the entire thing. But not really. My point being is that not hiding what it is. I guess that's you true. play the game and the, the gaming story experience of itself may be a ruse cruise. Would I you, get what you would mean. Would you kindly there. shut up? <laughs> hey, listen. Play Bioshock. It's a great yeah, game. Yeah, play Bioshock. It is a great game. Yeah. I still need to play Infinite. I forget you've not. It's good. I don't. It, it will never be able to have the same impact as Bioshock because Bioshock wasn't preceded by anything. You know what Bi- I mean? Bioshock's one of those games that honestly, it's better if you only play it once because you can't capture that first experience again. It's true. As, as well. Yeah, it's true. Uh, here's one of my favorite ones, and then I'm going to switch over off Facebook for a little bit. But Derek Porter says, Arcane Studios, they already do great work, but if they were given more financial backing, they could probably develop a new massive IP for Sony. I think that the chance of this of this we happening... We need a Dishonored reboot. Here's the weird thing. Bethesda clearly own Arcane. 
But one of the weird things going on right now, and I talked about it a couple episodes ago, is that Bethesda and Sony have had some odd relationships throughout the last few generations. Yeah. But, and that's why I found it so weird that Arcane's next game, Deathloop, is getting PS4 exclusivity for some period of time. They're working with them and putting in features that are specific to the PlayStation 4 that are a great idea, like you know, jamming your trigger when you jam your gun. Yeah. Why is that PS5. happening? PS5, thank you. Why is that happening? I don't know. Um, Why suddenly this switch? Hang tight for a second. I got a wild ride for you. Dishonored MMO. <laughs> nah. Even though technically it, it could be, work. It'd be bad. Here, here's my favorite thing about MMOs that actually think about the likelihood of... Dishonored ARPG. Maybe, actually. Yeah, that would be actually pretty cool. Maybe. But going back to your MMO thing, I don't know how much you know about the story of... I mean, you should know enough about the I story of Dishonored. The first one, Because yes. you played the first one. So you know who the outsider is. Right. And you know basically the touch of how you get the power from the outsider. So this is one of those things where I remember the first time... It's like people always wanted Skyrim as an MMO. I'm like, but why would you want Skyrim as an MMO? The whole point of it is that you're the chosen one. So if everyone's a chosen one, suddenly nothing matters. This just makes me... How many times are we going to talk about Dishonored and then I want to play it, but I never end up playing it again? You need to play Dishonored 2 very badly because I wager that Dishonored 2 is actually the better game than Dishonored 1 by far. That's like saying Bioshock 2 is better than Bioshock 1. I, you, are, you are incorrect if you say that. that I, mean, that, I agree with you. Uh, even though I think at one point in time, Donovan actually did like Bioshock 2 more than Bioshock 1. Probably as he was playing it. Um, I can see that. I appreciate the idea of trying to flip something on its head, but you, they flipped the car over. They didn't flip it. It wasn't a bad game. I it wasn't, but it clearly but wasn't as good. But it was also a different developer, Two K Marine. I think it was, yeah. But going back to the Dishonored thing, man, Dishonored Two is fantastic. I really do think that what it does for the series and how much I, I really still want to replay it as Emily. Did you not play it ever as Emily? No, I, I just played it as Corvo Corval. again. Yeah, or Cor- Corvo, Corval. Corvo Atana. Yeah, dude. I keep every time I look at this mask, I think it's his mask. Well, it's up there. I know. <laughs> it's just like that's one of the, also the coolest video game designs in the world. I really love the kind of weird steampunk in between that they chose to go towards. It's like Victorian steampunk for that entire, or maybe I not say entire series. I can't speak for two, but for one, for sure. Death of the Outsider, the third like kind of the standalone. standalone expansion that they did, was really good actually. And the two expansions for the first game. Also really I good. I never played those. The Knife of Dunwall and the Witches of Brigmore, I think is what they're called. Both really good. Knife of Dunwall sounds like Eldritch Horror. Uh, Dunwall's a city from the first game, so the Knife right. of Dunwall is talking about the uh, the main what bad is guy. Dunwich. Dunwich. Yeah, okay. Never mind. That, but yeah, that, the, and the Witches of Brigmore. Both of those are fantastic. And you know that I hardly ever played DLC. I was so in, like enthralled and, and dishonored. And I had the benefit of playing Dishonored after all the DLC was out. That as soon as I got through playing it, because I was playing on PC, as soon as I got through playing it, I immediately to, bought the other two expansions. I bought to download Dishonored again. Yeah, I'm very, just, dude, I'm in such a cluster, a, a fluster cluck of of um like games right now. But you know what? I don't care. I kind of actually spent the week not playing anything because I was like, I just don't care, and I have other stuff I got to do. And there's a high chance that that's going to be my next week as well, though. Kingdom of Amalur does come out Tuesday. Got to wait for my collector's edition to get in, and if they're going to be quick enough. Oh, Let's see. Oh, uh, to get back on to what we've been playing this week, I kind of forgot that I pre-ordered Tony Hawk, so I never called to get it canceled. So I have Tony Hawk, and I played that on Friday. 
I actually did play something on Friday. I did play that. Pretty good. It's actually really good. Do you like it more than the demo? Yes. Uh, once I got like uh, like the mall unlocked and like the school unlocked, I was like, okay, this is classic. Also, the soundtrack is exactly the same, except something really weird happened to me. You know how I was just telling you about Machine Gun Kelly getting into pop punk fully now is like having a full album. There's a Machine Gun Kelly, My Bloody Valentine song on that game. Yeah, yeah. And that threw me off as we, me and Annie were sitting there listening to the soundtrack. And you can, in, in real time, skip songs yeah. by clicking R3, which is cool. Yeah. And it got to that song, and, and we had just got done listening to a Machine Gun Kelly song on my computer. And I was like, like, it really threw me off there for a second. I was like, did I somehow connect spotify to this because <laughs> you didn't expect that new of a song yeah i knew that they were doing the same soundtrack for the most part i think a couple of songs couldn't and then from there they wanted to uh round it out with some new songs but as long as it stays to the aesthetic of the games i guess it works you know what I mean? yeah I, man i'm telling you it it, it really is it's worth 40 dollars for those two games 20 bucks a piece come on fair uh, let's see. I'm going to grab a couple more. Uh, one of our new patrons actually just became a patron, I think, today, <laughs> if not late yesterday. Dog. Mr. Richard Schaefer. He says, Bioware, and I really like this answer. Bioware for a chance to get a Jade Empire rebirth, but honestly, my first pick would be Rare. The single best thing I think they ever did, in my opinion, was the Xbox avatars. Take that concept and recreate the social space PlayStation Home using the Rare avatars. And that led me down what actually originally inspired the idea for looking at wasted potential and missteps and things that you wanted or expected to see out of the generation. Mm-hmm. And I'll go ahead and kind of cheat on one of mine real quick or tease it. I also played PlayStation Home and really enjoyed it on the PS3. And I remember when PSVR got announced. And I think I may have even said this to you in private at one point, but why would PlayStation Home not come back as a PSVR game that would essentially be a way to bring that back so people who loved it, you'd get good uh, you know, PR for that. Yeah. But you'd also get the ability to have your own VR social space that you can walk around in, play around in, that's curated by PlayStation. And it kind of acts as, they, they could have really jumped into the VR chat thing yeah that was like a hype around and, and it would have been really really cool to have something like that on consoles because you already have the headset integrated yeah sure and even if you couldn't do it like vr chat where you can be anybody you could at least create your own character so going through it you can maybe make your character look like something one of the most fun things about little big planet one literally one of the most fun things me and seth would sit here playing the game of the year edition and i would just make any character i could think of and I would just use stuff to make official costumes, and then you could save them. Yeah. And I would be like, I made Oprah Winfrey. I made Michael Jackson. I made Iron Man. I made all these things. And it was funny because a lot of them I would make before they even got announced as official characters. Yeah. And it was just a cool idea. So doing the same thing there and kind of letting people play VR chat with their own self-made avatar that could look ridiculous would be fun. Wasted opportunity. But... It's true. It was... it. I was surprised to see a lot of people mention Bioware because on the same thought, Dennis says, I'd love to see them acquire Bioware. They may not be making masterpieces like they used to, but I still believe they could make a comeback, which kind of got us talking about, you know, this is a good question in relation to looking at studios that you would like to see someone buy. So they may return to former glory. Yeah. You have the problem of, why are they bad? Are they bad because of their current ownership or because of mismanagement problems or a mixture of both? It, it, and, and you never know either. That's the crazy part is it could be a mixture of that. Could it, be a, it could be a mixture of a million different things. 
But we'll just never know, I don't guess. Yeah, it's a shame. Because you look at Bioware and you think, does them being owned by EA really change anything? Like, or is it... You would think not, but then, like, the first thing in our news is ads in the new game. <laughs> so, like, you never know. Yeah. It's, it's hard because it could be that, like, they don't see something... They don't see this aspect of the game profitable enough so that you can then... Um, change it to something else instead of something and be completely different but we don't ever know like i'm really curious i really would like to sit down on a finance meeting for for like ea or something on a, on a game and see what they would make changes to in a current game development based on other things yeah i could see that i mean i think the financial side of gaming is really interesting because only in so far as it motivates decision making processes like who thought who is legitimately sitting there and thinking to themselves, you know, it'd be a great idea to add, to add advertisements into your replay functionality. What? Yeah. And who thought looking at the current gaming landscape that no one was going to fight back on that. And I honestly think that that was more of a, like, we're going to do it. We're going to see what the backlash is. If we can afford the backlash, then so be it. What's uh what's the old saying? Uh, do it first, ask for forgiveness later. Yep. <laughs> because if you do it and they're not even mad, then you don't have to ask for forgiveness. I still don't even understand why this is still a thing. Yeah. It, hey, bring back PT Konami, which actually yeah. leads us into, I think what I'm going to close this section out with Mr. Ray Rod over on Twitter says also Konami, he had mentioned Capcom, but he says they have a treasure trove of huge IPs, Metal Gear, Silent Hill and Castlevania. Uh, of course, many more, he says, etc. But here's the thing about this one that I think is kind of an interesting potential in between. Though it does depend because one of the interesting things is who's going to be at TGS. But Konami, I could see, and we know we were talking about the crazy Silent Hill rumors, right? And how one of them was going to be a PlayStation exclusive and that PlayStation was going to be the one bringing it back and licensing the IP out to be able to publish it actually through PlayStation. I actually think there's a high chance. I won't say when I say high, I just mean the majority. I could see a 51% chance of likelihood that Konami goes. Why would we bother making the games ourselves, having to handle the public, like you know, publishing them games, and then potentially dealing with the backlash when we could just license our IP out for a, a dollar amount that lets us get money off of something that we just own, and then never have to worry about it again. That would be really smart to me, and I think that if I was going to look at which one they would do it with, PlayStation makes the most sense. Uh-oh, Saul doesn't own Dishonor. I'm, I'm trying to think. Did you have the physical version and anybody borrowed it? Maybe. I just spent like the last five minutes going through my, my purchase list like trying to find it, and I was like, I, I, I couldn't find it. I'm like, okay, <sighs> wait a second. Hold on. I but, just saw this. That's a weird thing that I really think is a possibility is that Konami could just go to, you know, Sony could be in talks with Konami and say, hey, our great relationship all these past few years, you know that we'll take good care of your IP and we'll make sure the right teams are on it. And then Konami could act as an advisorial role at most and just make sure that they agree with all the choices being made in the games and bam, let's go. It's a possibility. Never count it out. And that's a good way for Konami to get their name back in without having to take on all the stuff and worry about having all these expensive potential crews that could lose you a lot of money yeah huh. we will see because i don't think the rumors ever died right about sony and silent hill man i, I just no. don't get your hopes <laughs> up people don't get your hopes up i do agree with that i'm gonna go ahead and head over into the news though so thanks to everybody for giving that one i thought that thanks was for a your fun participation one. 
Yeah, so what Saul was talking about, EA has followed in the footsteps of 2K before them by adding in-game ads to UFC 4, much like NBA 2K, I want to say it was 18, did. Uh, And due to an overwhelming amount of complaints on their social channels, EA has decided to cut the addition with a statement, quote, it is abundantly clear from your feedback that integrating ads into the replay and overlay experience is not welcome. The advertisements have been disabled by the team, and we apologize for any disruption to gameplay that players may have experienced end quote uh, and this was before they ended up coming to the end of this whole thing they did where they promised that ad integration and uh, this wording kills me yeah ad integration will not be making their way back into the replay experiment experience in the future but they thanked fans for the feedback so so they're saying it won't be in the replays but where else will it be well here's the thing i'll give them a little bit of credit in that all sports games are in a sense and always have been kind of glorified advertisement because in real sports okay this i guess what i say a sports game a video game actually does feel more realistic when you see all the panel boards at the side that having have like advertisements having like advertisements yeah, yeah. and you like splooge energy or something that doesn't <laughs> exist it's like this takes me out of it exactly and even having like in the ufc games having a sponsor that's on the ring like is typical yeah like, you know napa or whatever <laughs> it's it, it's fine and you look at it and you go okay yeah this kind of helps me feel like this is an immersion thing but there's a difference between doing passive advertisement like that where you see it but it's part of like the transition like i don't think anybody's upset that that you show the crowd cheering on and it happens to be at the bottom of the stands you see advertisements no that that doesn't bother me but when my game gets interrupted for full-on commercials exactly yeah when you go into that like buying a sports game like this is going to be like watching the sport you're going to see these kind of like visual advertisements that are that are product placement but that's what it is. It's product placements. It's not commercials. It's funny because The Boys season two is one of the advertisements. <laughs> Amazon. Come on. What have you done? Amazon? It's funny because Joe was trying to avoid watching the trailer for that new new season. And he was telling me, I forgot what website he was trying to go to, but he couldn't enter it because it was blocked off by trailer. He's like, nope, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> oh, man, that's bad. Watch advertisements are a rough thing. Watch The Boys. Yeah. Season one now streaming on Amazon. Speaking of which, where's my paycheck? Amazon. <laughs> Next thing up, the PS Now lineup for September adds Resident Evil 7, though interestingly enough, only for like three months. Uh, Final Fantasy 15, WWE 2K19, and lastly, Observation to the service. Though, of course, a couple of other games have rotated out as it's reached the end of their initial time. And I still. When they rotate out, right? Like, if you have them downloaded, can you still play them or no? I actually don't know. It's I don't think no you can't because I downloaded uh, Horizon Complete Edition. And, oh yeah, it's not in there anymore. Yeah. Also, I bought the Frozen Wilds. I can play the Frozen Wilds this week. Do you have the game? I have a Horizon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Resident Evil Seven being a good call on near Halloween. Apparently, it also recently added to Game Pass. Uh, so I wonder if this is partially, you know, just being like, hey. Hopefully you hear, and apparently it's just as short of a window on Game Pass. So it's a Capcom thing. It looks like it's Capcom, probably pushing for the game to be on there. And I, this is likely to get people excited about Resident Evil 8. And again, Tokyo Game Show, which is actually our next piece of news, Capcom are going to be at, and that's expected to be the next show for Resident Evil 8 Village. So yeah. I think that this is something that's all trying to get people, since Resident Evil 8 plays like 7, 
and they've made tons of money off of seven. It's been it's their best selling game. Why not? Why not just go out? Or oh, their best selling Resident Evil game. Clearly, Capcom has got Monster Hunter World as their best selling game. I wish I didn't know the ending of that game because I actually kind of would feel. Oh, Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, it's a really good game. It even is. just playing it without knowing what, even if you know what happens, the play is really cool. And VR for sure. I know you don't like. Have did I ever let you play it in yes, VR? You, yes, you did. It okay, was spooky. This or the demo. This, I, this. We okay. played the demo in there in the living room one time, and then we played the actual game in here. I let you start where you get out of your car yeah. and walk through the woods. Yeah, I do. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> the demo was the creepy part because it's the way she ran around you. What was it called? Kitchen? The kitchen. The kitchen. Yeah, before we knew it was Resident Evil 7. Yeah. That's a good idea. Very good. But very Metal Gear Solid-esque. Yeah. Tokyo Game Show is happening September 23rd to 27th, and there will be a showcase for studios or publishers, including Capcom, Sega, Square Enix, and surprisingly, even Xbox and Konami are going to be there. So... Going back to the Konami thing, it looks like there's a high chance that Konami might actually be getting more back into games. They had that game that they released that was an indie title that they published. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now. had like the guy, I think it was a skeleton. Um, the name is leaving me, but Konami may be looking to actually get back into the gaming, publishing, and maybe even developing business. Put Metal Gear Solid Collection on PS5, you cowards. Cowards. Got called out. Uh, the event is, of course, online only this year, so don't be expecting anything crazy in terms of the showmanship around it. But as to no one's surprise, the there looks to be bringing some unannounced games from a handful of publishers. Square Enix has teased that there's some games that are unannounced uh, from them. And they've also teased that we're going to see already announced titles during this with Square Enix and Platinum Games Babylon's Fall apparently coming back. Well, okay. Finally. <laughs> Stop until showing get, games too early. Until I get a release date for Babylon's Fall, I don't care. And why is it Square? Why is Square so bad about it? To be fair, Square's always been the bad one. They have. I mean, just think to any Kingdom Hearts game. Every single one. Maybe two is an exception, because I think two came on, what, three years from one? Four. Four years, right? Well, actually, I, what I should say is from announcement to the next game, right? Like where you legit See, announce it. I, I actually think Kingdom Hearts up until 3 was handled well. 3 was a bad, Birth bad by choice. Birth by Sleep trailer being in the ending of 2, hidden. But it wasn't really a trailer and they never said what it was. So while I get your point, it wasn't an official announcement that was of the game. 3. You know what I mean? People thought that was King Wars 3. People thought Xehanort was Sora's dad. Now, whole other ballgame. If, <laughs> if at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2 and you got that secret ending and it said Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep, for PSP, every bit of the same information, and then that game still didn't come out for another four years because that game came out. Was that four years? Yeah, it felt like eight years. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, 2010 is when it came out on PlayStation. And what, and what year did Kingdom Hearts 1 come out? 2002, right? Kingdom Hearts 1, 2002. Kingdom Hearts 2 was 2006. No. Yeah, you're right. 2006. Yeah. But. Yeah. Either way. I got that game within the week it came out. Great game. So Where we'll my window go? I really, I am. I'm just so bummed at Babylon's Fall taking forever because that trailer was so sweet. And then we've. What? I, we saw a little bit of gameplay, I guess. But, can can game shows stop doing this like buy or, or try daily thing? What do you mean? Like where they go? Across this is normal for days? Tokyo Game Show. I wish they would just do it like E3 and just do one big conference in one day. Or I wish they would do what E3 would would have done. I feel like this year if they had it, just do one big conference in one big one big day. I don't know if they would have. 
And the only reason I say that is I think it comes down to how news is distributed around gaming and that they need breathing space for articles and stuff like that. That makes sense. I do. I, I get your point. It's just been forever since we've done reaction videos, and I'd love for them to do a Saturday game show, like where from seven a.m. to like three p.m. was nothing but announcements, and it was in cut-up segments. And we could just sit there and stream it all. Yes, we will do that as soon as we can. When there is Tokyo, one, Tokyo Game Show is weird too because it happens a lot of the time, either very early or very late for us. It's very late for us typically, yeah. I think. So. <clears throat> Anyway, next thing up, rumors are abound regarding a remake of Prince of Persia slated for release or reveal rather, sorry, during Ubisoft's upcoming forward live stream event on September 10th. These rumors are coming from well-known leaker Jason Schreier, so they're more than likely true, but still, just to keep your expectations in check, err on the side of caution and just, hey, maybe it doesn't happen. Because things can change, plans can change. Uh, but Ubisoft continue to have tough luck seemingly keeping this information under wraps because in the same week, the Microsoft Store also re-revealed the delayed Gods and Monsters game that they put out that's going to be made by the team who did Odyssey. Yeah. And now it's retitled, a terrible name, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Rising and Phoenix is F-E-N-Y-X. And there's no colon or anything. It's just Immortals Phoenix Rising. That sounds like a dude bro game. It, it sounds like a free-to-play mobile game. It does. With a release date of December 2nd, which uh, uh, was seemingly supposed to be a center point of their live stream event come Thursday. So, sucks for them. I guess the only way that they might be able to surprise everybody now is from here until then. If they actually end up re-showing the Skull and Bones game that everybody was wanting them to do that's been delayed so many times. Well, it's been canceled, technically. Delayed indefinitely. That's a fancy way of saying canceled, canceled. for now. Yeah. Cancel until we say something else about it. Yeah. But hey, that's about the only way I think that they could legitimately surprise me right now, uh, because of this. If they, if they, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not even interested in the game, but it would still surprise me. Yeah. So, but even then, if you do show Skull and Bones again, Ubisoft, I know you're listening to this because we're just in there like that. We're not. But show it with the release date. Show it with the release you date. Cowards. You're, there's a lot of cowards out in the world. Today. Like how coward is the is the word of choice right now? You've been listening to a lot of Spirit Box lately. <laughs> You've been listening to Blessed Be? Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel you. That's a good a good band. Y'all go listen to Spirit Box. They are very good. Go check them out. Tell Courtney LaPlante to marry me. <laughs> Please. Don't worry, Annie. <laughs> Never happened. Uh, okay, this one's actually kind of interesting. So in a more fitting adaptation, the Shinmu series is getting an anime adaptation under a partnership with Crunchyroll and Adult Swim. A 13-episode run is currently in production and will be available on Crunchyroll, but also available on Adult Swim's Toonami block, so that's where they come into the play here. No date for release is given yet, but with the series creator Yu Suzuki acting as an executive producer, this bodes well that existing fans will find something hopefully worth the series' legacy. And I think that this is cool for a couple of reasons i think most of the time live action has been a poor way to go about adapting video games right absolutely but there was a there's been a couple of examples throughout time where game companies for some reason just choose to either do adaptations or extended universe stuff that includes series that they're working on right now two examples of that from my high school days were dante's inferno which was the really brutal anime adaptation or animated adaptation for the um Actually, it's weird. Both of those games were visceral. So it was EA doing it through visceral. That's weird. Uh, but yeah, it was both Dante's Inferno and Dead Space. They both got their own movies. Dante's Inferno was, of course, self-titled. Dead Space had stuff that was kind of like 
Dead Space was good. Dead Space had multiple animated movies, actually. They had Dead Space Downfall. They had Dead Space... I only saw Downfall. I can't remember. There was a couple. Um, so I, I thought that they're... was cool. And then more recently, we saw uh, Square Enix do it with the Final Fantasy XV Brotherhood series. That was an anime series. That was really good. It was really good. Honestly, that was better than the game. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played the game since launch, but it was definitely better than the launch game from story perspective. Yeah. I don't know how much they fixed in the later game. I could replay it, but I really just don't want to. I Don't get me wrong. I got the platinum. I enjoyed it. But I'm I'm past it. I'm done. I don't Where's Final want Fantasy it. 16 at? Yes. Show me Final Fantasy 16 and use that weird Square Enix tech, whatever it was. I think it was an engine thing where they showed the samurai fighting. It was like robot samurais fighting the yeah, little mannequin-looking Early PS3 or was that PS2? No, this is a PS4 thing. It was, was it? It was this generation. I, it was a tech demo for something. And it was really cool. I'll probably be dead by the time Final Fantasy 16 comes out. I don't think it was Agni's philosophy because I think that was the one. I think it was 2018. Yeah. I got to see this real quick. Yeah, this is really cool. So if you've not seen it, you can go find it on a couple of different things. It just was essentially Square Enix new prototype demo trailer for 2018. Just throw it in the middle of the video somewhere. Yeah, and essentially what it is. Yeah, okay. Is it's kind of like a cyberpunk Tokyo. Yeah. It looks really cool. It's one of those that you see as a, as a demo, and you're like, this is a demo, but I wish this was a game. And here's my thing. I know some people don't agree with this, but I've always liked that Final Fantasy can kind of just be any aesthetic. And to me, why not take the series and do this? I kind of wish, though, they would just take the series back to its roots. Well, I know a lot like, of people want that, and I, I'll give them credit. I realistically think that outside of it being turn-based, I do think that keeping with the original high fantasy thing, Final Fantasy... 14 online and 11 online both serve that well in my yeah opinion. for the most part um high fantasy slash steampunk is kind of yeah, a little bit of steampunk in, i wish yeah. they would go I, honestly the world of six is really is so well done well that's steampunk too it is uh i just really wish you know what why don't they remake six in a sprite way that's not crap like it is now that's a good question, and and I really mean that. And like, could it happen? Like, could it work? It's like the same thing for Pokemon games. Like, you could literally just print money out by putting red, blue, green, silver, gold, crystal. Uh, Dude, sapphire, look how sick this looks! Ruby and sapphire and emerald, all of them into a game in a single switch cart. That'd be interesting, actually. You could charge sixty dollars for that, and you'd sell out. Either way, go check out that demo. If you're a big fan of Square Enix's stuff, I feel like why not take this idea and just bloom it out? You already, what I love about game, making games, right, is like they go, well, why would they do this? You've already made a world. You've shown me enough in here that I have an idea. I have a trailer about. already. There's more work into this demo than there is in that Untitled game. <laughs> what was it called? I don't remember because it doesn't have a name. It's not official. I really can't remember Project what it's Area. called. Project, yeah, something like that. Oh, man. Yeah, Square Enix is really bad about that. But still, I really love the way that this looks. I want to end up seeing something like that. So give it to me as Final Fantasy 16. But I still like that, that people have been doing that with the uh, animated adaptations of stuff. Why not go ahead about doing that? Next thing, coming back over to the hot topic of next-gen upgrades. It's no surprise to see CD Projekt Red announce a next-gen version of The Witcher 3, boasting improved visuals, ray tracing, and, of course, faster loading times due to the SSDs. Also coming as no surprise, considering their cyberpunk cross-gen release plans, the next-gen version of The Witcher 3 will be a free upgrade for existing owners of both the original base game as well as the Game of the Year edition. 
and this is set to hit sometime in 2021. I almost, I thought it was funny that they chose to clarify that way because it's almost like the wording was on the nose of like, hey, you remember the kerfuffle around uh, control? Everything else in the world, yeah, yeah with, like, with upgrades. Yeah, so hey, well, it doesn't matter what version of the game I you expect have. nothing less from Witcher or from CD Projekt Red. They do, they... So you told me that honestly, like if I wanted to get into Witcher's Lore, the show on Netflix is actually not a bad way. Yeah, it's really good. I really want to watch through that and then try Witcher Three again when this comes out, just just to support them and play their game and give them another player number because of how wholesome that company is. Maybe the way to go about this is to play it on the on the PS Five, and the reason I say that is because the one downside to The Witcher is that it's actually most of the game is really impressive. But when you do have to load, it is long. It's long. It, 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 that was now, what, I, what I've played. If it originally, you run from place to place and never, uh, never fast travel, it never loads. I actually didn't know you could fast travel. Like apparently, I skipped over that tooltip yeah. somehow. And there's a city way off, and I, and I, I think you're not really supposed to get into it till a later game because it's, it's, it has a bridge that's accessible. But it's the first place you can get your haircut. Or it's the first place I found you get your Oh, haircut. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I got in there from like climbing over these walls and like kind of just janking my way in and away. And then I realized I got all the way back to the very first village where you drop, where you, the Griffin thing takes place. Mm-hmm. White Orchard? White Orchard. And I didn't realize I could fast travel back to White Orchard. And I walked all the way back there. Or I rode Roach all the way back there. I mean, you, and impressive of the game to never have to load to do that. The only part of the map that you have to load to because it's an island is Skellige. Yeah. So... Which is still, but my point is, I think one of the things that happens is sometimes when you're not completely loving a game and then you feel like fast traveling is taking way too long to load, or maybe you're, you didn't realize there's fast travel. If you can get it to where the game is going to look as best as it can get, it's going to perform even better and have less bugs, which the game was not super buggy to begin with. I don't feel like, but, and then you have crazy fast loading. Why not just wait for the PS5 version? Bro, that sun's going And you already own it. That's true. So just wait, you get a free upgrade. That sun's going crazy today. Look at that lighting on our screen. From just that sun. Wow. I'm so thrown off. It's never been like that before. Yeah, that's real. Either way, uh, oh, I cut all the branches. Ah, we need yeah. some curtains. We, <laughs> Let's yes, up we a blanket. Do. Yeah, hey, we got that Patreon money. Thank you, people. But yeah, that's cool. I like to see that they're doing that. And this goes back to an idea of something I said I don't particularly care how you choose to do it, even if it was CD Projekt Red saying, hey, we're putting time and effort and work into this, yeah. so we want to charge you $10 to play the PS5 version. Ultimately, I wouldn't care. But what I do appreciate is when games that have made literal fistfuls of money, just, I mean, like you could just have so many stacks and stacks and stacks of hundreds from what they've made. I think that there's no real reason outside of just the company being like, hey, we just want to make even more money. Greed. Yeah, it's greed. But there's no reason that a game that has been sold and as many times and bought as many times, I should say as grand theft auto five. There's no reason that should not be a free upgrade. Yeah. There's no real reason that the Witcher, again, a game that continuously sees the game selling crazy. There's no real reason it can't be a free upgrade. So when you look at these smaller examples of games that are just so massive, like Minecraft is another one. There's no reason Minecraft doesn't need to just be a free upgrade. And I think it will be. So when you look at that, I just I appreciate the gesture, though at the same time I'd be willing to pay for their work. But it's cool that they're doing it, nonetheless. Now this next one's kind of interesting, but also 
the more I thought about it, I was like, maybe it's not surprising. But Rocket League's developer, Psyonix, has announced that the title will be transitioning to a free-to-play model, which for PlayStation fans means that PS Plus will no longer be required to play the title online. On the Xbox side of things, they have yet to announce any policy change in regards to letting free-to-play games work outside of the Xbox Live Gold paywall which is something I hope changes. And part of the reason I even bothered to include that is one of the things I think Saul and I often talk about is that we like to look at both companies since they are, are been considered like main competitors, but even sometimes look at Nintendo. Yeah. And we like to say like, look at what each console is doing that's better than the other one. And each one of them learn lessons from each other about where they can do different stuff. Now, yeah. some of them will just be natural decisions that are just more aligned with their plan of a business. And I think in a way that's part of what Xbox is trying to do here with making you tie to their services. But when you have the other, when you're the minority in this situation on something that really is just free to play, it's like, what are you really losing? If anything, wouldn't you want people to be more motivated to play a game like Fortnite, which brings in so much money in terms of uh, microtransactions? Wouldn't you want people to want to play on your system instead of somewhere else? Yeah. And you're decentivizing them from doing it by saying, hey, you have to pay. Well, no, okay. So that, I kind of disagree with that only because nobody's going to go buy a PlayStation 4 for this reason alone. Probably not. This is going to add to a lot of reasons, but yeah. this is not going to be the defining factor. Well, I should say to switch. Now, I think if someone's just getting into gaming, they went to their friend's house and played Fortnite and were like, I really want to play this with my friend. Yeah. Cross platform means that you don't really have a reason not to play one or the other. So then you start going, all right, well, if I can play with them, whoever I get, I want to get this one. Oh, well, this one. Oh, I have to pay to play online yeah. even though the game's free. Well, then why wouldn't I just buy a PlayStation? Exactly. They're roughly similarly priced for, bare, the, for the bare minimum version anyway. So yeah, it's not to say that this is still a very small percentage of people. Yeah. But it does come into affecting the way that people view you, if nothing else. It's true. And it adds, like like I said, it adds to a list of things. So, like, when you're thinking about getting PlayStation, you think of the controller is really nice. The, the it, you know, the exclusives are all there. They're, all my friends play on this console. It has a really good chat feature. Um, and then you go look at Xbox and you're like, well, they don't have that many exclusives. And then I don't like the controller. And I got to pay to play Fortnite, which is all I care about. It's like, I might as well go get a PlayStation instead. Yeah. It, 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 it adds up. Yeah, well, the reason time. it adds up. And that why, it's one of those things of why it's like the different types of gamers really do have different things. If you're a gamer that doesn't like to buy very many games and you like to try a lot of games, but you hate the amount of risk involved, you may look at the Xbox and be like, Games Pass is great. Yeah. Or you may even actually look at PlayStation and be like, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation now has 900 games. But then, yeah, I can play a whole bunch of games. Now, across the board, I will argue that Games Pass is going to have the higher quality. But maybe you just want to piddle around a bunch of different games. So That's true. It, it, it really is. It's hard to say that one person does it right. But in this case, I think that Xbox could learn. And if anything else, I guess the reason I even really thought to, to include it is that there is this thing where... And I'm really, I, I understand it to an extent. But Xbox likes to throw themselves around as this very consumer, uh, you know, what's best for the consumer facing company. And yet they still have this policy. Now I, that doesn't take away from all their other good policies and ideas and services, but that means that this one still exists in stark contrast to everything else they have going on. And that is in itself its own problem. So it can sometimes make a company like Xbox seem like all their goodwill towards the gamers and whatnot is kind of corporate doublespeak, even if it's not intended to be. 
That's all I have to say about that. But cool to see Rocket League going because right, who doesn't who that wants Rocket League doesn't own it. That's true because it's only twenty dollars anyways, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it has microtransactions for visual, which yeah. I'm fine with. So by going free to play, you're not really hurting anything. You go the Fortnite route. You just get people to buy stuff because I, I now said, they don't have to pay for the game. I said this is going to start happening. Yeah, especially with anything that's games of service, they're going to be free. Watch, you know, what something else? I guarantee within two months by Christmas, well by by Thanksgiving, Marvel Avengers will be less than thirty dollars. Maybe. I bet you. I'll give it. Square Enix gets really greedy with that kind of stuff. Hence everything that happened with Final Fantasy four, uh, 15. Yeah. Um, watch. And watch the microtransactions of that game explode. The really interesting thing for Marvel's Avengers is it's performed a lot better than I thought it would. And it See, looks a lot better than the first showings made me think it would. I still don't have very much interest to play it, personally. Yeah, I don't have any interest to play but, it. Um, for me, it's one of those things that's like, this is going to sound really mean, but some most comic book fans are low-hanging fruit when it comes to quality of things if it involves their favorite comic book characters. Oh, yes. And that may, that sounds really, really mean, but even I'm like that. You give me a Batman graphic novel that it could be complete garbage, I'll still read it. Yeah. And I know because even if you take it outside a comic book, I think when you get hyper fans of anything, you're, you're talking to somebody who bought the Batman Begins GameCube game. It was really good. You think I'm lying? Like you think you th- <laughs> do you think I made that up? Do you think I, that's a that's a that's a that's a fake thing? No, Batman. No, I know it's a, I know there was a GameCube game. I remember there was a PS2 game too. I never played it. I think it's the same game. It should be the same game. Yeah. Yeah, is that game was actually really really good. This was Arkham City before Arkham City existed. Who made that? Um, I actually don't know. EA. Who was the developer? That's a good question. EA Sports. It's in the Batman. Dude, someone tell me, because I don't really play enough sports games, but I was talking to someone the other day, and we were kind of just bummed about, like, I'm pretty sure EA dropped the EA Sports that's in the game thing, right? No. Is it still at the very beginning of every game? It's still in Madden 2020. Because, dude, is that the Madden I have? If they I, had, I was going to be disappointed. You don't. That's like McDonald's dropping the. Ba, 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 ba. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that doesn't happen. Nah. <laughs> but that's good because I was trying to think. That, you know, I play FIFA here and there, and I was like, I can't remember the last time I played a FIFA game, and I heard EA Sports. It's in the game. It's iconic. Like, dude, you don't lose that. You know what I mean? Um, but I really, I wonder who made who was the developer on that game. Oh, I just exited out. <laughs> Well, well, one of y'all in the comments below let us know. <laughs> Someone knows. Eurocom. Okay. Yeah. I, don't even, I don't even know who that is. I think, I think they went under. I don't think they exist anymore. They did make a Batman game for GameCube, so not, not really surprised. Yep, defunct in 2012. <laughs> Poor. They, they did make a Batman game for GameCube. Oh, that's sad. All right. Last couple of things here. Demon's Souls Remake might be a launch title for PS5, which has been on kind of what people have been thinking. But the title was recently found to be rated for release in Japan and Korea. Now, that is pretty much all it is. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but ratings don't normally come until very close to getting your game out there. Yeah, and honestly, I would think that that both Bluepoint and Sony would be like, hey... The game's going to come out around the same time as PS5. Just make it a PS5 title instead. Yeah, launch title. Because my thing, and it doesn't mean anything necessarily. It doesn't have to be true. And I, I'm not even surprised by it. 
But they have been using Demon Souls for marketing very heavily. Yeah. And Demon Souls was a very niche game when it came out. Yeah, when it came out. Honestly, I'll tell you this much. Demon Souls did not exactly kickstart people into Dark Souls. Nope. That's a it, it's it, that's like saying I mean it that, did but not at the number of yeah, the first that's actual like, Dark that's Souls. That's like saying the people who bought Demon Souls are the same people who played King's Fall. It's like no. Yeah. Like these are two different kinds of games. People know FromSoft now because of that name, so they're going to go check it out. Dark Souls was the turning point for that. People knew of Dark Souls for how the difficulty was, and there were some people who did know where it came from in Demon Souls. Um, but I'll say this right now, that I think Dark Souls is more responsible for the series than Demon Souls. Absolutely. Demon Souls is the, is the first step. You can't have Dark Souls like Demon Souls. Yeah, and it's a great game. It is, but realistically, and this is why I'm not surprised. It's just outdated. Everyone remembers how, and I mean, if you don't, if you don't remember this, even if you've never played the game, you were just blind. <laughs> but everyone remembers how much goodwill PlayStation got for Bloodborne, for the fact that Bloodborne existed, for mm-hmm. the fact that they were going and working with someone they had worked with before to make an exclusive game. So all the people who originally loved Demon Souls, and then they were happy. like right, They're like, hey, the people, Sony and them well, are working dark, together again. Yeah, right? Then all Souls. the people who had never even played, or maybe even never heard of Demon Souls, are like, well, hey, this is by the people that make Dark, dark Souls. Souls. Yeah. So you have all these people coming over and being like, oh, wow. And, and let alone the fact that not only... Was it a very different game and I, from Dark Souls? So one of the really important things to say here is like Saul kind of just said, Demon Souls and Dark Souls are more similar than Bloodborne is to either of those two, but Demon Souls is still a lot different than Dark Dude, Souls. Dude, Dark Demon Souls did some things. Like if y'all, honestly, Demon, Demon Souls is... No, I was going to say it's kind of relatable to Mortal Shell and how slow Mortal Shell can be. Mm. But in reality, it's just like half speed Dark Souls. Like Demon Souls is slow. Yeah. Demon Souls can be fast. Don't much get me more wrong, plotting. But yeah. there is, it, Demon Souls is, honestly, everything about that game is just different. And there are so many tropes that that game started too, like the Poison Swamp areas. That's in every single Dark Souls slash D, uh, or Soulsborne game there is. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird tropes that game started, and the the base foundation came from that game. But when you really play them, it just feels different. And I might be remembering it wrong because it's been six ish years, seven years, longer than that. Yeah, actually, almost dang, almost eight years now that I played Demon Souls because I played it. It'd be seven years actually. Yeah, it was back when I lived at the Links. Yep, it, it would have been seven years ago that I played that game last, and really wish that game was on ps now i'm a little surprised it's not but at the same time i have a now ps3 I, well, and have the of, ability to play it and i've purposely not because i kept holding off like these rumors about a demon souls remake coming from blue point are just too on the nose you yeah know what I mean? and, and it made sense to me and that honest, it would be their next game honestly it's just kind of you're gonna go back and play it and them them roasting glasses are gonna be awfully red that's true and if you wait until you get to play it with a little bit of... That's going to be how you remember it. Kind of like Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus was really jaggy. It still looked good, but it was really kind of jaggy. Anti-aliasing wasn't that great in that game on the main structure in the game. Uh, some of the Colossus' structures, not all of them, but some of them. The textures on like the, the fur were pretty bad, but then you go look at the new game, the remake, and you're like, that's how I remember this game looking. 
It's crazy because you don't think it. And actually, they made a lot of choices that really are still different, like you know how much exposure there is everywhere. Yeah. The original game, it seems like it's really overexposed. It is. It, it, and I it know really that is. on it's purpose. It's just bright. Yeah. Everything in that game is just bright. It, there, it honestly had an atmosphere, and it was a really good atmosphere, but it was the same atmosphere throughout most of the game. Yeah. Whereas but, this one was kind of different. Yeah, for sure. But going back to this, I guess, I think that it makes sense for it to be a launch title because... First of all, I think if going back, I mean, not that it would have helped anything, but let's just say if Sony is still trying to, despite the fact that we have a pandemic going on, if Sony is still trying to follow their original idea for PS5, which was move more PS5s at an unprecedented rate. If that has been your goal point all along, then before COVID came just a few short months ago and changed that, there was probably a really high chance that from the beginning of development, Demon's Souls remake has always been intended to be a launch title game because there are the From Software fans are so dedicated mm-hmm. and Blue Point have shown to be so dedicated in trying to keep the games feeling as accurate as possible that the for the most part most of the fans would know that this game is going to feel more or less exactly how they remember it, but be better. Why not make this a launch title? This is how you get uh, more than a million people in one day to just suddenly plop down potentially five ninety nine on a console. Yeah. But, and honestly for me, it's like, it's one of those that's worth it. Um, just because it's, it's something I am no, I am, I'm aware of. It's something that I know will be done right. Cause I know the developer behind it. You can, I'm still kind of iffy on some parts of it. Cause I'm curious how they're going to do some of it overall. Like I kind of hope we get some gameplay commentary before then, but if we don't, yeah, sure. if we don't, it'll definitely make it per- worth purchasing a PS5 for. So, you know, the weird thing about gameplay commentary on those titles is that it almost feels weird because it kind of feels like for people who don't know, they're going to lose out on a little bit of the excitement of, ex- of discovering everything naturally. Yeah, but, well, I mean, but like, at the same time, you could do gameplay of the tutorial boss and then the Nexus. Yeah, I could see that. Or even like the uh, Balteria Castle. But, okay, like another example, right? Wait, that's not what that's called. I didn't it? really... Yeah, Castle Balteria? Castle, is it Castle? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, th- I just said Castle or the yeah. Balteria Castle instead of Castle of Balteria yeah. or something. Um, but... It threw me off. Either way, whatever. The, the, but um, the thing is, like, okay, going back to Dark Souls 3, I didn't need to see anything in Dark Souls 3. I never played anything. You know the first time I played Dark Souls 3? When you bought it, go to pick it up from the midnight. They had a thing where they let you run a champion Gundir or whatever. I did, or I did, whatever. Idex Gundir. Idex Gundir. Not champion, that's later. But, um, spoilers. Spoilers. But either way, uh, they had it to where everybody who was playing, they just had a copy of the game in, and it was, they wanted to see who could get through that section the fastest. I'd never seen any bit of gameplay prior to that. Dang it, why could have got, I had gone to that midnight? I don't know why you didn't. Oh, because you're all digital. <clears throat> No, I had that physical. I can't remember who won, I and that, I can't remember what you won. I had that game physical. Oh, okay. Well, you messed up. You probably got the strategy god. It was Justin's store. Yeah, it was Justin involved. Probably a strategy god. So. <laughs> all right, last thing up on the news, and we're going to round this thing out. It's been confirmed by AT&T, so all these crazy rumors can stop, that they will not be selling the Warner Brothers gaming division. After all, I'm a little curious as to what has bred to this. The original idea was to offset some of the acquisition costs that they have in debt from getting Warner Brothers and all these other things by selling off the gaming division so they could pay it back quicker. Now they're saying that it's too valuable to let go. Is the focus testing or the response to Gotham Knights and Rocksteady's new title, are they so strong that suddenly AT&T are like, no, we got to keep this? 
Possibly. I don't see it. I'm, I don't mean that to take anything away from either of those games. I'm just really surprised at why the sudden change. And why does AT&T view them as too valuable to let go of now, but not too valuable to let go of six months ago? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could just be like the new announcements and stuff and then getting caught up in a moment. I don't but know. But their business, that would be a non-business kind of decision to make. Going off of instant reactions. Yeah, it's a, it's such a weird thing. I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder if we'll see any more come from this at all. Yeah, me too. Because I, I look at this and actually you got to think about it. You know, I wonder how many offers they got. And I wonder if the offers weren't as much as they were hoping for. So it is true that they're too valuable because the potential money they can make off of the products that are sold outweigh the offers that they were getting. That seems unlikely, but I don't know because that still goes back to the, something that was never completely set in stone was if you bought the Warner Brothers gaming division, what was going to be the extra perk of how you got to use any of the Warner Brothers IP? And if you even did. That's because true. honestly, I could see it being that the offers were low if it was like, hey, you get Rocksteady, but you don't get any of the IP they're working on or any of the IP they've ever worked on. You don't get that at all. Well, well and, then why would you even bother? I mean, I, not to say Rocksteady aren't great. but well, I wonder if they're going to get told, like, you don't get these IPs or maybe, maybe that's what it was. And then they saw how, how people, how excited people were when this got announced. And they were like, no, that's, that's, that's actual business. We'll be losing if we went to this deal. So let's let's either not take it or let's counter it. And then we're going to get something in return that they didn't accept anyways. Well, see the weird thing about it, right? Is that if you we're talking about making your own game as opposed to licensing it. Clearly, we've seen Marvel have no issue since they've decided to start curatingly license their games. Now, the problem is, is that Marvel games for a long time before were very hit or miss because they were just licensed. It was like, hey, if you pay us enough money, we'll let you make the game. Yeah. Or we'll seek you out and say, hey, for this much money, we'll let you license it out, whatever it be. But now that my, now that Marvel is kind of doing this thing where we are going to license the games out, but when we do it, we are going to make sure that who we're licensing it out to keeps the quality of our brand name up. It's working well for them. Spider-Man has done very well for Marvel. Yeah. Avengers, despite what we think about it right now, seems to be doing well. Yeah. So like and, no matter no matter what, it's just like it's always going to be based off their um projected sales versus what they actually sell. So I guess the question here is like if it was going to be that when AT&T were talking about selling Warner Brothers, I feel like a licensed deal still would have worked out to where they could have made plenty of money off of it. But you don't know how that, like, there's all kinds of contractual things that we don't know about. That's true too. Like, that's why it's kind of hard to speak on this is because it's like, once again, it's another subject where there's so many back doors into the back, back area of this that like, I don't know about, like, I don't know yeah. why they would have done that. Well, and why would the, and there's no reason for any company involved to have been transparent about it. So I get it. Something we'll never know unless some yeah. kind of industry leaker decides to be like, hey, I've talked to someone who is really closely involved and this is a rough idea of what was going on. Yep. It's about the only way we'll ever figure it out. Hey, Jason Schreier. Hit us up. Take it. Take a rest from all the... <laughs> that sounds bad. I was going to say take a rest from uh, exposing all the people for crunch. <laughs> no, don't take a rest from that. Keep on going. The only reason I say that, and this is a joke, so Jason Schreier, please don't bro- block us on Twitter like you do everyone else, but... <laughs> we're getting blocked now we're getting blocked now but that's rude i like him 
I don't have. I mean, I have problems with him being so thin-skinned that he blocks everybody immediately. I mean, immediately. If you even say something that's mildly say, questioning, say what you him, really feel because he already blocked us at yeah, this point. At this point, he has. That's what I'm saying. That's my only problem with him. But uh, it's it's a long-running joke that people online are like, once he blew up and got a lot of uh, notoriety from you know talking about game developer crunch, it's all he seems to want to chase. It's not true. It's people being a little crazy. So I was making a joke. But hey, Jason, you probably already blocked us, so don't worry about it. Um, not like I had any insider intel for you anyway. What's our, what's our community's take question? Um, you know, I was trying to think of that too. Um, let's do a quick recap. What's a blunder that happened this generation that you won't? This is going to be a fun one. What is a blunder? What is a company mess up from this generation that is your favorite? Whether and it could be it favorite could, in a bad way or favorite in a good way, either or. Yeah. It could be that you. It could. What is what? What is your favorite company blunder this gen? And that could be Xbox making this mistake or this company thinking they're going to do something like these ads in the games, and then they were like all of a sudden like no, like any kind of company mess up. You know what my favorite is? Even though I didn't benefit from it, I just think it's one of those weird things. When, pe- when game developers completely, or publishers rather, completely screw up and then end up putting their games completely free. <laughs> yeah. That, what did I get this year because of that? I got some game. I don't know about that, but, uh, well, Mafia, did you get Mafia 2? No. Okay. I don't know if that one was on purpose or what, but Knack 2, I bought I it. that. And I guess in a way it was kind of bad too because it, it doesn't help the future of the series. But I was like, you're giving everybody... <laughs> essentially a free copy of this game that's true those kind of blunders are interesting but so, so what is your favorite gaming related blunder of this generation the reason that one's my favorite is it got a lot of people to actually like neck <laughs> a lot yeah, of people are like dude next who is really good yeah because the only way they play it is if it was free anyways guys this has been triangle square to playstation podcast for all those interested you can check us out in video format on mondays at 10 a.m pacific time noon central time on youtube and you can listen to our lovely voices across all podcast services if you enjoy our content please leave us a like and hit that subscribe button i hate that phrase it's such a cringy phrase there's this just the phrase though slap the, that slap that ass on the subscribe button <laughs> and if uh, you really do enjoy our content leave us a review on podcast services that offer them or you just be nice in the comments if you don't like it tell us why and be constructive with it also we have a bevy of places you can follow us on. We have a Discord in the description. We have a Twitter at Triangle SQRD. And we have a Facebook group titled Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Go hop into that. Get extracurricular out of the podcast with us. And we have a Patreon in which for $5 a month, you can help support this podcast in all production costs. You may not believe it, but these mics are expensive. As little as $1 a month if you want. Yeah, There's $5 no a limit. month though. $5 a month is cool because if you do three months... $15 total. You get a custom PS1 case that we've made up. So you get to pick which one you want. You get them all shipped to you. Final Fantasy 7 this month is my favorite. What's yours? Um, you can only answer that question if you've been subscribed for three so months. So fun story, um, right? I went and printed out the rest of the cases. So got I, them cut. Who, who messed them up? Huh? Who messed them up? Uh, it was Texcana Digital Press, but it's fine. Yeah, they I remember you no talking about that. Um, I, I don't want to shout them out negatively. They're good. I promise. <laughs> I promise. I like them. Uh, but anyway, I got them fixed and started cutting them out, and I had everything counted exactly how I needed to. And then t- this morning, I woke up, and Tyler, I love you, buddy. He commented Final Fantasy fifteen, and I didn't even think, you know, I just let the thing happen. And whoever have, comments, you comments, have one ready, and I'm gonna, I might have to get another one printed. <laughs> so it's okay, Tyler, my boy. We'll do but, anything for you. As a story. matter of fact, you heard Tyler's name. Interesting name, right? He's one of our Patreons. Here's a list of all the other ones. 
Thank you. Thank you all for enjoying the show and let Brett hit you with that sultry voice to list all these nice people off. Thank you all. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. And like we said, I'm going to go ahead and give a special shout out to Mr. Richard Schaefer for being a new patron this week. Uh, also, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Shan- Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago. Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B., and Richard Schaefer. Thank you so much.